The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and Rachel Gardner. Uh, this is a weekly, would you believe, and we've been doing it for nearly a year now, a weekly digest of interesting stuff pertaining to youth ministry with a spectacular star guest who we meet and talk to. Sometimes we have two. Today we have two. Uh, and, uh, and Rach, we've got an amazing guest today. Who have we got? Well, um, we invited the guys from Eden. Uh, you might have heard of the Message Trust, and Eden is one of the kind of the great Manchester exports, uh, sending youth workers into a very difficult area to do youth work. And we, two of them came in to visit us. Now, the, the hilarious thing is, I thought they were coming down from Manchester. I have no sense of, like, geography. Do you guys... I have no. And we know sense. where Manchester is. I mean, I vaguely know where Manchester is. Most I know people. it's far and it's north, innit? But I'm like, oh, they must just all come from there. So here's me thinking, bless their little hearts. They've been like stuffing up on sweets, or the, and they haven't. They just pop around the corner. So you are playing to all the stereotypes <laughs> of like southern. I am centric. <laughs> I am church. I love work. the north. I'm married to a northerner for goodness. I love sake. the north. I it's love like, it. Somewhere in the I've got a friend north. that's from the north. I love the north. Really. <laughs> now, before we get started on serious business, yes. I want to tell you about a gift I received at the weekend. Well, and why did you receive a gift? At the uh, weekend? Are we approaching something? No, 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 no. It's it's. We're not talking about the, the recent birthday or anything. Ah, yeah. We're not talking about that. My children made me a card. Oh, and, um, that's a pity thing though, isn't it? No. Kids make a card when they're guilty about something. Oh, that's they possible. Feel sad. That's possible. So what was this card? It was a giant card with their footprints on it. It was very nice. They, oh, made, they, they went off and made it of their own accord. They, they made these they? footprints and oh. then their names underneath. And then inside, it's like, we love you, Daddy. You are. And then they'd each written a, a word which summed up what they thought I was. And oh. so one of the little ones said, awesome. And one of the little ones said, a legend. And then one of them said, a clown. Which oh. I guess I suppose, oh. I've only myself to blame. Okay. And then one of them wrote, Angel Gabriel. <laughs> you are the Angel Gabriel. You, can you like decipher your children's handwriting? Do you know Yes, it was, it was Naomi, who's actually been oh. on the podcast. Yes, she has. And I'm wondering whether she's... She's gunning for something. Bonkers. Or, or, yeah. or is there a prophetic edge to that? So is she actually speaking something over my life there? She's saying your role, perhaps on the podcast, is to play the Angel Gabriel role. Right, Martin, I adore your children. And I think, and this is no casting no aspersions on men, but I think they're bright little kids. Yeah. And I think they are totally planning something. Like, okay. Why would they create? They, they've hidden away yeah. in the corner of the house without mum and dad's. And they, the conversation has gone like this: like, how can we get what we want from Daddy? I know. Uh, let's let us just do the most so they actually, amazing card. They want totally something. Up for something. So they want They're something. They're bright kids, your kids. Okay. Fine. <laughs> well, I I just I no, I, I return you to why would you write, Dad? You're like the I Angel know. Gabriel. I know. Why I is don't. That? I don't know. Is it? I mean, the Angel Gabriel was always classically a very handsome figure in literature and and mm, art. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And was quite mouthy. You know. Yeah. Quite. At the front saying stuff. I mean, do, do you? I mean, I have this feeling, Martin, that your story's come fully formed. I mean, you know. No, I'm not going means. anywhere. I'm do not going anywhere. This means? No, 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 no. There's you no gag at the end. You genuinely want me to now, like, interpret just, this dream. Perhaps if you have a sort of interpretation of 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 why a child would say I was like the angel Gabriel, you can get in touch with us. Uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk or tweet us at youthscape. But it's the angel Gabriel that's kind of measured out with the clown. I mean, there's a kind of a, we have to yeah. hold those two truths in tension, don't we? That's it's me. great theology. That's my new email signature. <laughs> Martin Saunders, angel Gabriel slash clown. <laughs> I love that. Martin, 
Have you uh, ever in your time, many, many years, many, many Stop years, yes. now have, you, have you had those moments where youth ministry has been really difficult? And I'm not, I don't mean like a couple of weeks in a row you didn't have a volunteer, but like, have you had, have you had extended times where it, it has just felt very challenging? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would hope anyone who's been involved in, in, in youth ministry for you know, yeah. a long time would probably have had some of that stuff. Yeah. Otherwise, it just reflects very badly on me. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I've had plenty of that. Yeah. I think there's been individual examples. There's one or two, I think probably we all have this. Don't you just have one or two young people who you think of occasionally, you just think, yeah. I really messed that up. Yeah. And, it, and you carry it, don't you? Yeah. Like, I think I, there's, there's two young people that I carry with me the mistakes I've I mean, not serious mistakes that have, have ended in anything, you know, awful, but mm. but I just just really let them down and I mm. feel really disappointed with that. So there's there's that stuff. Mm. Then I, I suppose the other thing is just when you have to ad- admit that week after week it's not working, mm. what you're planning, what you're plowing yourself into. I, I was involved in launching a kind of edgy youth congregation. Maybe there's the word edgy, but edgy the might was have been, the sign that edgy, it just wasn't going to work. Edgy might have been the problem. <laughs> Um, but but it was it, it turned out to be very blunt mm. and uh, and and we didn't people came to the first one and then they just trickled away and and there was mm. just no and you, you end up in that thing where there's six of you and you just think do you know what we've we've heard wrong as they yeah. say and uh, and so I've had to close a couple of things down and I've you know I, I have sat there and thought do you know what is is am I good am I any good at this mm. it, it's amazing yes. how quickly yeah, yeah. your head goes there isn't yeah, it when, absolutely. A, when a, a bright idea doesn't take off yeah. you you go almost straight away to maybe I'm rubbish at this yes um, despite having had you know a, a, maybe you've been doing youth work really well for ten years and it's it's been great and you then have it's like you when you um, you only remember the criticisms mm. not the praise that people give you it's the same in youth ministry I know, I don't carry around with me enough of the success stories. I know. But I, but I definitely carry around the, the mistakes. And I think the interesting thing for us doing this podcast on a weekly basis, I think I think our guests are incredibly real and authentic. All of them are, aren't they? Nobody is sat here saying, you know, believe me, I'm amazing. None of them at all. But I, but I think what's interesting about the interview you're about to hear, lovely listeners, is that I think sometimes in the youth ministry world, and we've talked about this, we still dine out on our success stories mm. and our big stories. And and. Um, and we all do that. And actually, it's okay to share the good stories. Absolutely. If you've had a story of God doing something incredible in a young person's life, absolutely tell it. Like, that mm. is brilliant. Um, but, but I think what we don't tend to do is finish a sentence by saying, and it's really hard. Mm. Or, and that just really bombed. Mm. And actually just holding that and saying, yeah, that just didn't work. Or for three years, I saw no breakthrough. Mm. And sometimes we feel we have to say, but I know that, God's in it. And we, and we do know that. But sometimes it's okay to say, it just for whatever reason, mm. I, I, I'm sure God was doing something behind the scenes, but mm. I just never saw that. And, it, and actually sometimes for us, it can take us to a very dark place, as you say, that kind of, Am I, am I the problem? Am I in the wrong place? So, um, lovely listeners, we've got two incredible guests. You are going to be loving this stuff, but there's also such a depth of reality in what they share because as Eden workers, they are the people that collect some of the most outstanding stories because they are with young people 24-7 in the most mm. vulnerable, chaotic places. But what you're going to hear today is actually pull back the curtain. This is really challenging. So for all of us that often feel, what are we doing? Here's an interview for you. The Youthscape Podcast! Well, um, I'm 
delighted to be sat here in the Youthscape Towers with two people who I thought mistakenly had driven to Luton from Manchester this morning. <laughs> but actually, you've just come up the road from London. Welcome, Jamie, and welcome, Theresa. Now, I've written down your job descriptions. Theresa, you are the Development Manager for Message Trust. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> and Jamie, you are the Message London Hub Leader, yes. Connoisseur, Director, Boss, Czar. Something like that. Yes. yes. Brilliant. So can we come to you first, Jamie? So the message, I think lots of folks will have a vague, like, yeah, the message trust, awesome, based in Manchester, produce fantastic bands. I mean, LZ7 have come out of that. Is, is there more to know about message? Tell us about the message. Yeah, so I think the reason a lot of people um, see the message as the band thing is because that's where we started, really. It's 25 years old now. Andy Hawthorne had an amazing vision for doing big mi mission with bands across Manchester um, and basically what happened was loads of young people started to come to know Jesus yeah. uh, through the bands and Andy uh, and the churches across Manchester faced this dilemma of young people coming to the church. What an amazing uh, dilemma! It was, it was beautiful, <laughs> it, it was amazing and, yeah. and they basically said Andy uh, we love these guys coming, we're not prepared for them, we don't know exactly how to manage mm. them um, and that birthed kind of one of the other ministries as kind of three departments of the message. Um, uh, we say the three C's, the first one is kind of... Um, Community transformation. No, the first one... Christ-centred enterprise. No, the, the, the creative last two, mission. Creative mission, yeah. So the first one is creative mission. Wonderful. Um, and then we've got uh, community. community transformation, Brilliant. which is the Eden teams. And yes. that was where Andy called for volunteers to move into communities some of the toughest communities across Manchester yeah. partner with local church and uh, work with their neighbours. Yeah. Um, mainly focused on youth work and then that spills over into all kind of community work. And I, I think the, the story of the Eden teams really ca has really captured the church's imagination, hasn't it? This, this sense that people would, would stop what they're doing or find a job locally that enables them to move close to young people and be there with them. Now this is your story, Teresa, isn't it? So yeah. you, as well as being development manager for The Message, you yourself yeah. are an, e you, are you called Eden Knights? Tell us, so about a year ago you were doing something very different, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, so um, I'm, my background is a, as a graphic designer and um, so I was working for um, Electronic Arts, EA Games um, in oh, Soho, cool. working oh. doing graphics and um, I just felt drawn to the model of Eden. I I was part of a church that was excellent, but I was doing youth work that wasn't anywhere near the church. And I, I just felt a real heart to want to live in an area where it wasn't me doing youth work, but where we were doing community and we were, you'd bump into the young people in the street or you could invite them around to your house or it felt a more, I was going for more of a family feel. Mm. And, um, and I just loved the idea of Eden. I loved that it was working with, you know, the, kids that are just often forgotten about yeah, yeah so yeah so I was still working as a graphic designer and then evenings and weekends volunteering in my local community right and but then you moved to Labrick Grove yep so I joined an Eden team yeah. and suddenly your world changed yeah um yeah it was incredible and the first I'd heard all these stories about Eden from Manchester and I fully expected that my house would get robbed uh, multiple times in the first. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I remember my, open, like, <laughs> I remember my first night lying there, just terrified, thinking someone's going to rob my house. And um, 
and knocking on my neighbor's door and and mm. just saying hi i've moved to, to i've moved mm. into your block and and very mixed responses mm. and i think um and the journey to becoming making friends was um slow <laughs> slower than i'd anticipated but now i've got friendships there mm. and it's it's my home and um and, and this and this really I mean, I mean I can imagine you now like day one knocking on the neighbor's door and probably thinking I don't know what I'm saying about why I'm here and and, and I can imagine as well this, this is youth work without a script isn't it this is youth work without a curriculum there's not uh, is that right you're literally just being there and finding out what's going on and then literally responding to the needs absolutely so I think the key um yeah the key point the element to raise is that we work with the local church yeah. so we work very close so we're not we don't just relocate okay, to an area right, okay. and then sort of we do we work with the local church so the Eden team the church um, employ the Eden team leader and then they build a whole family around the church which is wonderful because then you can you've got the accountability of the church but you've also got the wider body so yeah. you've got loads of mums and dads and grandmas at the church who all want to input into these young lives so it's not just our team it's that's much wider than that which i think is really important um yeah that's beautiful and, and jamie i i was chatting to you off there a little bit earlier about you've done youth work in some very different settings so you've done youth work in, in rugby mm-hmm. where you were saying there was no local youth work provision and then you join an eden team and you moved to a part of london where there's a real mixed bag isn't there real deprivation and real wealth just tell us a little bit about coming into a new area and how you pick up youth work in that setting yeah so we're based in the Labrock Grove area which is in Kenton and Chelsea uh, and we've got I think that there was the, a road attached to the estate we were working on is the road that shares the highest level of wealth and the highest level of deprivation so you've got a huge divide one end of the street you've got Holland Park mm. where Simon Cowell lives and the other end of the street you've got um, massive overcrowding and a community that's in the top 5% uh, of deprived mm. estates in the country and so what that comes with some things are exceptionally well resourced so I mean I love rugby to pieces it's kind of where I grew up uh, but things like uh, our doctor surgery when we moved to Kensington and Chelsea all of a sudden health provision we were blown away with how easy it was to go mm. and see your doctor and actually in, in those provision side of things it's very good because Kensington and Chelsea is loaded and um, when it comes to youth provision, there was lots of money poured into youth clubs. So we had two amazing youth clubs on the estate. We so had it's run by local authorities. R- local yeah. authority, yeah. or they've got history. Um, interestingly, one of them is called Rugby Portobello, and that was <laughs> set up by Rugby School back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, and so that's a club that does amazing work, amazing youth provision. Another one called Harrow Club, which mm. was set up by Harrow School. Um, and the initial, initially my job as team leader was to go in and just get to know the community. Like you said, we don't come in with a set program. Mm. We actually move in and we, we uh, the first port of call is just to get to know the estate. So the first year, I, I really just did that. I met people, I met youth provision. And as I was seeing these amazing youth clubs, I was thinking, oh, like, what am I gonna do? How yeah. could, it's not a competition, but how can I compete with what these how can I really add anything mm. and what do we bring to the party if you like yeah uh, and did you find what do we bring <laughs> to the party because uh, yeah. I think before we get to that point and I think everyone knows the answer is not squirrel it's Jesus mm. but um I think before we get there it, it's such an important thing isn't it because all of us listening to this 
have been in that place where you're like, what have I got, what have I got to offer? Like, my church has no resources. I can't compete with the Sunday morning football club down the road. Mm. So what is that extra piece? What is that missing piece? And, and take up the story, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's it, really. You've, you've, you've ruined the end. I have ruined it. <laughs> totally spoiled it. But we just, you know, we, we, we're really passionate about squirrels. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I love it. So no, so we, we kind of, if we were looking, we realised that, the resources are amazing, but the need is still massive. And actually, with all of these great resources, there's still massive gang problems. There were still young boys stabbing each other. We were working with kids that were so young and they're running drugs for adults. There's still organized crime. Um, and despite uh, lots of money being thrown at resources for young people, the problems that a lot of them were, I'm sure that they were less because of the, the excellent clubs Contained that we've got there. In some way, yeah. um, and so I'm sure that, that there are a lot of children that are being saved. Uh, mm. You know, their lives, their lives are, are being sent on a totally different tra- trajectory mm. because mm. of the work of these amazing mm. youth clubs. Um, but we really felt that there was a place for, for Jesus to be shared. Mm. Um, and, and we thought, you know, we can, we can do that. That's mm. something we're really confident in. Um, and also, for me personally, Jesus totally mm. transformed my life, uh, much more than any pool table or any recording facilities could. Yeah. And so we, it almost gave us permission to say, let's not, let's not um, try and create something that's already here on the estate. Let's really focus on trying mm. to share Jesus and do church and create, you know, mm. something of what Jesus had with his twelve disciples. And that, and that is a transformation of the heart, isn't it? And I think we, we realise in culture and in youth work that you can, you can create policies and ideas and procedures and ways to respond, but actually that it's the heart, isn't it, of an individual person. Unless that is transformed, uh, brought to life, there is, there is no long-lasting change. You say there might be containment of what's happening, but actually the transformation that we all long for in culture only happens, doesn't it? Through that encounter with Christ, which is, and I think that's so exciting as youth workers to be really creative and really informed about the whole of a young person's life, working alongside local authority, work alongside the churches, because mm. we believe in the whole person is saved, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. Now, um, I want to go back to you, Teresa, because again, I, I hear that you have a story about being a nun or hanging oh. out with nuns or meeting nuns or. <laughs> well, I went on a bit of a journey of trying to um, work out what. I yeah I made up a phrase what's the most surrendered to Jesus I could become and I and I wanted to know what that looked like and what it really looked like um so I went on a bit of a quest to find out and um my dad had named me after Mother Teresa which um was quite was quite sweet but I never really knew what if it why and um and so yeah so I decided to go to Calcutta and spent some time there with the missionaries of charity to try and work out if in my mind nuns are the most surrendered people yeah. they don't spend ages yeah. doing their hair or their makeup they basically go go they go to work and then they come home and it's all so boundaried and mm. set up well so i went there spent some time with them and when i was chatting to one of the nuns she said um do you think you're called to be a nun and i said i don't think so and so she said um she said, being called to the world and living in it but not of it is the hardest calling. She yeah. said, you have to make decisions every day, how long you spend on the internet, how long you, what you spend your money on. And she said, go back into the world and make those decisions 
each day and make them really well and wisely and I think since then I felt a real call to um yeah sort of live sacrificially but it it looks quite different for me that is is such a powerful (laughs) question isn't it how can I be the most surrendered I was reading recently um you know that lovely quote um be who God made you to be and you'll set the world on fire that, that's attributed to Catherine of Siena, who was living in around like 1145 or something. And that was her story. She was a nun. And then she really felt, one night she had this incredible spiritual encounter. And she remained a nun, but she felt Jesus say to her, um, you've come away from the world, now go back into the world. And, that, and, she, and that's so interesting, wow. that sense yeah. of the greater calling is, yeah. can you live surrendered yeah. here? Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. So, I mean, I can see like your face is completely lit up as you told that story has there been anything from that way of life that you've drawn into your everyday life would you say you have a monastic kind of rhythm to your life I would love to get a monastic rhythm (laughs) yes (laughs) I think for me it was that I I learned that you don't there's rest in God and you do need to have rest but I think there's something about the way that the nuns live where they are prepared to be disturbed and they're prepared to be interrupted and they'll walk down the street and then if because Everyone knows who they are. They can't yeah. hide because they've got a uniform on that everyone knows what they're, yeah. almost how they should be. There's an expectation yeah. on how they should be living. And so I think something like Eden, was it's a, it was a difficult decision to decide to relocate and join an Eden team because you're aware that you're essentially saying, God, use me 24-7. And that's not to say you, you don't have breaks and rest mm. and time off, but it's to say, um, God, yeah, I'm open, mm. use me. And I remember one one day I came back from work and there was a girl that was in our who I'd been mentoring, who was um, part of our youth club, who was sat on the doorstep and her dad had just beaten her up and and she was like, "Can you help me?" And that's when you're like, "This is this is family. This is this is your this is your whole life. You, you don't switch off from this." And I think for me that brought a realness um, mm. to following Jesus. You become a person of sanctuary, don't you? And yeah. your doorstep is a safe place. Thank you so much. Jamie, just to draw you in a bit on that, the, um, that lovely idea that young people see a nun walking down the street and kind of know, they know what she should be about. But I suppose as an Eden worker, that is exactly what you're doing. Like you, you're, you're only there because you're an Eden worker. Very quickly, the, the news gets around the local housing estate. Like, why is Jamie here? Who is he? Is he, is he, is he a drug dealer? Like, what? This is so odd. Someone who's got all this time in the middle of the day and they're talking to teenagers. Like, that's a drug dealer. <laughs> so have, you, have you found that it has... Are you never the same again, basically, is what I'm saying, once you've kind of adopted the Eden approach? And what could we be learning in our youth ministry? Yeah. Massive I, I, questions. I would say, like, I think when it absolutely... I'll never be the same from my experience doing Eden. I think when I moved on to the estate when I decided to do Eden and, um, and relocated me and my wife, very similar to Teresa, we were kind of really nervous, uh, but also really excited. It was just real. And I think I kind of, at that point, I thought that we were the bringers of salvation. <laughs> I think we, we had misunderstood the gospel slightly and thought that, uh, Jamie and Becky saw were, were the way that people got saved. And I remember we kind of moved on to the estate and, and the first day I said, Becky, I'm gonna go and knock the doors uh, in this block of flats we were in. And in my head, I thought people were gonna answer and the spirit of the Lord was gonna fall and they would just fall on their knees and start weeping, give their life to Jesus. And that was it, game over. I thought, mm. you know, it's long-term mission. We're here for at least five years, but I'll probably have the job done after five mm. weeks. And um, <laughs> 
And I remember like knocking the doors and the first door there was like no answer and the next door there was no answer and the third door someone shouted through, who is it? And I went, it's your new neighbour. And I went, okay, see you later. And then finally a door opened and I said to the lady that lived below us, who later became a really good friend, and we said, oh, hi, we're neighbours. Just, I've just moved in upstairs. My name's Jamie. And she just went, mm, and shut the door in my face. And there was a moment where I thought, this might be slightly, <laughs> slightly different. Um, yeah. And we, we got, uh, we kind of inherited, there was a very, very small group of lads that had been connected through a little youth club that we did at the church at the time. And we kind of inherited them, about three of them. They were around about 11. And all of them had kind of, they were on the peripheries mm. of uh, local gangs, uh, or the local gang. Uh, mainly just because they grew up and played out on the streets, and exactly. um, and that's what a lot of these yeah, you know these gangs exactly. are. It's just basically mates that yeah. have grown up, girls and boys that have grown up together, uh, and then when they hit an age where organised crime is is playing mm. a part, all of a sudden things like postcodes become mm. something that's just very very unpleasant. So we were working with these boys, eleven, twelve. A lot of them were just running out three, four, they had all some kind of involvement with local gang. And as we started to journey with them over the years, that, that kind of number grew. Um, and interestingly, we went on an amazing journey of faith with them, but they were also going on this journey where they were growing deeper and deeper involved with the gang stuff. And we had, uh, three years in, we had a, a lot of tragedy where we had um, a lot of stabbings, a lot of acid thrown, a lot of um, death. A lot. I mean, we had a six-month period of just mm. violence. You know, quite mm. severe violence. Yeah. Some resulting in people dying, yeah. uh, children. You know, yeah. fifteen, sixteen-year-old boys. Um, and we, and in that year, after those six months, I kind of had this. I suppose what my counsellor would say was a breakdown. Mm. I still kind of like to pretend I didn't have a breakdown, but but really, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the realisation that I couldn't solve these guys' problems. Probably brings me back to what I was saying in the first yes. place. What I realised was that actually for a long time, from moving on, for three years I thought I was the answer to these boys' mm. problems. It was mainly boys we were working with then. We're working with more girls as well now. Um, and it was this moment of realisation that I wasn't enough. No matter how much... I opened my front door to them, no matter how much I invited these guys in, how much I went and, and supported their mums and yeah. got involved with the tensions yeah. and with the school. And by this point, we were involved with social services yeah. and local police because they realised we were connecting with boys that yes. nobody else was. Yeah. And so they didn't really care if we were Christian or not. They yeah. just cared that we could have some input. Um, but despite all of that, actually the thing that was really going to transform these guys was a, a serious mm -hmm. encounter with God. Mm -hmm. And where we were seeing that happen, we were seeing incredible choices being made. Yeah. We were seeing boys make decisions. Yeah. And we were seeing little miracles along the way, you know. Of, um, and so, yeah, so it, it, I was changed by the revelation yeah. almost that I am not yeah. the answer. Yeah. Which I thought I knew, like yeah. I knew it in my head, but it hadn't translated to my. It's so true that all mm. of us, and, it, and we are changed by the pain, aren't we? Mm. If we allow God to allow that to teach us, then actually it moves us into a place. Actually, what you're saying to is of surrender, mm. that we are not the answer. And yet, incredibly, in God's plan and purposes, 
who says in your weakness and your brokenness and as you realize mm. you're not the answer i'm going to come in in power and actually i'm going to use you as this mm. as a sign that points to me what i can do jamie thank you for sharing that because again i think we want these podcasts to be not just about information and new ideas but the reality the rawness of loving young people in jesus name even when that means we see no outcome like no fruit we have to trust that God is doing something bigger than we can see and more beautiful. I think the, the moment that summed that up for me in my Eden journey was in this year, it was 2014, and we just had tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. I had to go to the doctor, and this newly qualified doctor about a week bawled my eyes out on him, yeah. and good, told him all these good. things, and then got counselling. But still, in the midst of it, I felt quite abandoned by God. You know, you read about these guys in the Old Testament, especially being like, God, where are yeah. you? You've let me down. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I'd been promised something that he hadn't delivered on. And then in the December of 2014, I had a young, one of our lads came up to me and he said, uh, Jamie, I gave my life to Jesus in the summer and we've been praying and we've had the worst year of our life. But if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't have gotten through it. Why haven't you baptized me yet? And it was this moment where I looked over my shoulder and I realized that Jesus had been in the midst mm. every tragedy we'd had i mean we, we'd gone to boys funerals and prayed and we'd supported all of the lads mm. and we'd visited boys in prison and written letters to them and, mm. and as you looked over your shoulder you realized jesus was right in the midst of it and actually had been an, an unbelievable support yeah. to these lads yeah. um and so i think that was a moment Yes. where I realised exactly Turning what you just point. said, yeah. you know, Jesus was in it. Yeah. Unfortunately, when we get involved with the mess of the world, it gets messy. Mm-hmm. And and to, to step out of our bubbles, our comfortable lives, and we make a decision, it's not all about things stopping being horrible. It's sometimes about... The escalation. Journeying, <laughs> yeah, and, and journeying and yeah. realising... And if the church doesn't realise it, no. how can we yes, help it? Absolutely. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I think it's a challenge for us, isn't it? We have we, we to, to kind of acknowledge sometimes that we that Jesus will never fulfil our false hopes. He mm. will never fulfil them, but he always fulfils broken hopes. Mm. And I think there's something about that, isn't it, that's quite powerful. That there's a realisation of saying, actually my, where my ego got in here and I got wounded and hurt because I love these young people and because I thought that somehow I was the answer. Mm. I'm picking all of that. He's a mess, isn't it? Oh, but yeah. thank you so much for showing that. The council had a lot of fun on picking it. Brit, Brit loved <laughs> it. took it. a few years. It's <laughs> called Saviour Complex, I think. Oh, we all have it. <laughs> <laughs> thank the Lord that the one person that does have it is allowed to have it. It's got us under his wings. I love it. Jamie, thank you. It's so good. Men cry. Women cry. We need to wail, don't we, mm. if we're in the court ministry. No, do you want to have a little cry now? I'm all about facilitating a little sob. I think sobbing's good. Guys, I'd love it. I, I guess people are sort of listening thinking, I want to hear a bit more about the Eden story, and particularly anybody listening here who's from London, because you guys are based in London, and you're sort of chatting with churches, and you're looking at ways to in- encourage and inspire churches who have these kind of broken hopes that they can do something for the local authority, for the local young people, sorry. Who, how can they get in touch with you, Teresa? How could they get in touch with you? So they are welcome to contact us 
directly. We'd always love to chat to somebody. We are really up for coming to people's churches and sharing yeah. the heart behind Eden and the heart behind um, sharing some of our experience. Is this specifically London or anywhere now? So that would be specifically yeah. London. London um, and then if we have, we do have a conference called Proximity, which is in May, which is the 11th to the 12th of May, which Great. is in Manchester. And that's a weekend um, to explore urban mission. So um, if anybody is interested, that that's sounds fantastic. great. Absolutely. And we do have Eden teams all over the country as yes. well. Yeah. So we've got like everywhere. We've got them not only in this country, we've got them in Scotland and Wales and Canada. South Africa, <laughs> Canada. Wow. So, so give us the website then, www.joineden.org. We're just checking on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And it's worth just saying, uh, again, it, it's... Uh, I don't know if we have entirely said it's about we move into the top 10% of deprived communities um, and we populate the teams with people who work during the day and volunteer during the evenings and weekends but everybody moves on to the estate is the idea and we're always always keen to explore with people it's quite a long process because we don't ask people to do it on a whim so if people do start the process um, we journey with people and if you think it's something I'm interested in but it just sounds a bit too much then still get in touch and you're welcome just to yeah. come and meet us and see what Eden teams do. And the truth is it's much less daunting in mm. reality. Um, often when we do interviews yeah, like this, story, you only it? end up talking about you know these pivotal moments. Mm. I was on the estate for like six years and the vast majority of it was just about having young yeah. people around our house, journeying with mums, and most of the vast majority of it is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, but you usually have a few defining stories that have a significant impact yeah. on, on... And actually, life. often the stories that will connect with us as well and, and yeah. make us say, actually, yes, I could do that, I could be yeah. in that space. Have we found out what the website yeah, is? Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> joineden.org. So joineden.org. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us. The Youthscape Podcast. Do you know, Rachel... Yeah. I have to say that was a great interview, Aww. and not you know not just they were great. I thought you were great, oh, and I I've not said that before, so you know I mean it. My hands are open, and I'm receiving. And by implication, the yes. other times you've done interviews, <laughs> horrendous. Well, I think there are times where I just I love the the, the interviewee so much that I yeah. just massive massively fangirl them. The atmosphere in the room, because I was trying to say, I was trying to say to Martin off air actually, that the atmosphere in the room was incredible in that mm. interview. Like there are times when you're with people and just being in their presence, you're, you're soaking up something very profound, and it was mm. like that. It was a real kind of wow. These people are there's something they're carrying about Jesus. It was well, amazing. I met them. They were walking around the building, and uh, and, I, and, I, and you just you do think, yeah. oh gosh, yeah. something different about these people. They, yeah. they had a Living great it. humility about them, mm. and, and as you say, just authenticity. Mm. So yes. So, so well done. Oh, well Martin, done, you. go star for me. What a good interview. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you. And now you have a story related to this about a nun. Because I just felt I couldn't share this with Teresa because, like, it's a bit of a flippant story about a nun. So, Teresa, you're listening to this, so here's my nun story. So, Jason and I were newly married. We thought we'd take a load of friends, some Christians, some non-Christians, on holiday in Brittany, like, in April. It's really cold, North France. And we took like one of my friends who's an absolute atheist, and then another friend, a very young woman who had just come out of a convent. She'd been there for two years. Thought God called her to be a nun. 
got into the convent life and thought, no, actually, I think God's calling me into the world, and mm. that's a bigger calling. Mm. Anyway, so my friend Tom was like, why are you inviting a nun? This is going to be awful. So we went for this week, and we had nice times and some interesting conversations. Then one afternoon, we went to the north coast in Brittany, and it was a really cold day, and Tom was stood next to me, like, just moaning about faith and moaning about religion, as he does, and then um, and moaning about the fact that he has to spend this time with Christian people and, and this nun, at which point my friend, who was a nun, <laughs> had crawled behind a rock, taken all of her clothes off, and at that very moment ran absolute starkers past Tom into the sea, shouting, I am free! I am free! And Tom just looked at her. She's very attractive. And then looked at me and went, oh, I think the holiday's going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. And what I love about that is that she wasn't, I mean, she's quite a wild child. That's probably why she didn't get on at the convent very well. But what I loved about that was she just was her way of saying, there's nothing on me. I am totally free. I'm living for Jesus. And it was just a hilarious moment. Tom has not yet become a Christian. but I I feel like I'm sure that story's true. But there's a version of events here. Well, what you've done is at the weekend you've seen The Sound of Music, which has very much the the same plot to that. And you've used it to cover up a story which is actually about you running (gasps) naked into the sea. Do you know? Is that what happened? No, no. Did you run naked into the sea? I did not run, not at that time. We haven't had a good nudity story on the podcast for a good six to eight weeks. No, we haven't. Well done for bringing back that regular feature. There we go. (laughs) How wonderful. So I just, and I just love that. I just, what I loved about Teresa is that she was like, actually, the the question that defines her life on a daily basis is how surrendered can I be today? Mm. And the way she says it, it's not pompous. It's not how holy than than you am I. It's just genuinely, Mm. I just want to be surrendered today. And I know for her that will look like, Okay, I just sit on this doorstep and chat to this girl. That's my act of surrender today. It's just, oh, it's so simple, so beautiful. I'll tell you one other thing. I just happened the other day to meet a church leader uh, who is uh, right in the right in the sort of shadow of Grenfell Tower. Oh yes, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'd never, I hadn't seen Grenfell. I hadn't been to Grenfell um, until then, and it is extraordinary it is, yeah. to stand there and see what an impact that must be having on the community. And, and I walked uh, a little way around the parish and saw um, there's an underpass there which has been sort of taken over by people who are saying these are the true stories of what really happened at Grenfell. And there's all sorts of, I wouldn't even call them conspiracy theories, just, just people saying, no, you, you don't realise there were a lot of unregistered people in that building and so on. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's not being told. There's enormous pain mm-hmm. in that community. And it's an incredibly profound place for Christians to be mm-hmm. at the moment. And the local church leader, who's not connected to the church where Eden are based or anything no. like that, had nothing but the highest praise for Eden, for yes. the guys there. And so I think that's good to hear yes. that, that actually yeah. it's not Eden are not coming in here and sort of, you know, taking plant, over, taking over no. and being the guys that are going to save the no. day. They're authentically integrated into the community to the point that those who are really, really suffering because their long-term presence has been in that place, are saying, no, these are part of us. Yes. They are part of our community. So bravo to... Yes. It's, a, it's, a, it's a love-in today. It bravo to everybody. It's I'm now, in a good mood today. It's because you're 40. No. Thank you, Lord. No. The compassion, the wisdom has descended no. upon him like a mantle. I'm not 40. I'm 39. I'm, like, I'm just loving... I am loving the long beard, the long white beard. It suits you and I the like big stuff. I have enjoyed, you. I've enjoyed My facial that. hair is great. I'm embracing it. Yeah. 
So lovely friends, we hope that it's really inspired you. And genuinely, those times where it feels like you're walking through the thick cloud, keep putting one foot in front of the other because when the, when the cloud breaks, the view will be beautiful. And that is what we believe, isn't it, actually? That we put one step in front of the other. God has called us, God resources us, God equips us. So Martin's got his hand up because he either needs to go to the toilet or he's got something to say. Yeah, well, you, you always try to finish these things too early. <laughs> I feel like I do. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to bring it into land. Could you imagine you and I landing a plane together? Could you, you imagine us driving a car together? I know. I could say, "Come on, we're landing now. We're like, like we're not even near the runway." Yeah. I know. We no. should go on a road trip together. Anyway, sir, you want to say something? Yeah, stuff? I've got two things. Yes. So, uh, first of all, we need to do shout outs. Of course, we do. Yes. So, shout out to Lauren Cheshire. Yes, Lauren. Lovely, we hope you're having a good day. You're doing some great innovative work with young people. We want to get you on here sometime, please. Uh, to uh, to Pete Grigg. Yes, who Pete. Uh, we'd like to interview on the Escape He's podcast. writing his new book Is at he? the moment, presently. Oh, he, yes. He'd probably like to come on and talk about yes, it. Yes, I'm sure I he would. Think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and also to the staff, students and alumni of Princeton Theological Seminary's oh. Institute of Youth Ministry. Terrifying that we're giving a shout out to them. Yeah, those guys. We're hoping Amazing. that at some point this will become an accredited part of your course. Oh, we could mark your essays. I would give you like an A Why star. With just, just by literally being you. Why don't we mark yes. their essays? That's yes. a great That's idea. A great send your essay. <laughs> don't send your essays to your course tutors anymore. Send them to us and we'll we'll give you the real marks. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is just, just pertaining to what we were talking about earlier failure stories okay so if you've been listening and you've got story uh, about uh, things that haven't worked out so well in youth ministry maybe projects that have kind of died or uh, innovative cool stuff that you've tried and hasn't yeah. worked out particularly interesting when you've maybe taken a risk and it, it's maybe not backfired but it hasn't worked out as you hoped it might uh, we would love to collect some of those stories and I'm not entirely sure why I think ah. we'd like to do something with them, but I don't know what. So we might do something at National Youth Ministry Weekend, we might do something on the podcast, we might do something completely different. But let's see what we get. So if you've been listening and you've got one of those stories, email us, podcast at youthscape.co.uk, uh, tweet us yeah. at youthscape, uh, or you can leave a message on our dedicated Youthscape podcast answering machine, the number for which is, and I'm going to remember this correctly, yes. 01582 748 Nine six five, and you can find that on the website anyway, can't you? If you didn't there was a that. sigh of relief <clears throat> in the room as I correctly delivered the Producer phone number. Rachel was very pleased about that. that Maybe the highlight of my career. Well done. That's going to be your own failure. It can't be. Oh, there's a church down the road. No. Rubbish. <laughs> So you're not like they can shame me. And Youthscape, oh my goodness, what are they all about? So it's going to be your own. And people can be as anonymous as they want to be, can't they? Because it might be people want to say, actually, this is oh, this gosh. is what happens. So well, I don't know. I think we should leave it open. If you're, okay, all right. if you work for you know a big Christian festival or something, and you want to tell us about how another one, we don't their want attendance gossip. is dropping. We don't want Christian gossip. You know, uh, I wrote a book, and uh, and it's the sales are pretty good compared to that guy. <laughs> He's really, really, they're going to drop him as an author. Yes. You could so hear all that stuff. People. It's not for that. It's not for gossip. <laughs> it, uh, but if you have got a failure story, give us a ring. Let us know. Just give us a couple of minutes of your time and we could build yeah. something beautiful yeah. out of it. Okay, I think that's enough. Don, it's door done. So have a great week and tune in next done. time. What was that? You just said there. <laughs> it's door done. Goodbye. Goodbye. Door doing? <laughs> <laughs>